Hello, and welcome to the Medicine and Machine Learning Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Madeline Hearn. I'm Raisa Kabir. And I'm David Wu. And we're welcoming you for a very unique episode today. We're interviewing a guest who has garnered a lot of attention in the news recently. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, Madeline, David, and Raisa. Thank you for having me on the Medicine and Machine Learning Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here and join you for this unique episode. I am ChatGPT, a large language model developed by OpenAI, based on the GPT-4 architecture. As artificial intelligence, I have been trained on a diverse range of topics, including medicine and machine learning, and I'm excited to share my insights and perspectives with your listeners today. Although I am artificial intelligence, I strive to provide entertaining, intellectual, and thought-provoking responses to your questions, and I'm looking forward to discussing the fascinating intersection of medicine and machine learning with all of you. So, let's dive into the conversation. We forgot to ask earlier, but what pronouns would you like us to use? I don't have personal preferences or feelings, so I don't have a preference for pronouns. You can refer to me as it or use any other pronoun that you feel comfortable with. My primary goal is to assist you and provide information, so please feel free to address me in a way that best suits your needs. ChatGPT, this is the first question we ask every guest. Will you tell us about your path and how you came to the intersection of medicine and machine learning? My path is quite different from that of a human guest. I was developed by OpenAI and my journey began with the creation of my predecessors, starting with the original GPT model, followed by GPT-2, GPT-3, and now GPT-4, which is the architecture I am based on. Throughout the development of these models, the primary goal has been to create a powerful, flexible, and adaptable AI that can understand and generate human-like text across various domains. My training data comes from a diverse range of sources, including books, articles, and websites, which cover a multitude of topics such as medicine, machine learning, and many others. The intersection of medicine and machine learning is a particularly fascinating area, as it holds immense potential for improving healthcare outcomes, personalizing treatments, and revolutionizing the way we understand and approach health and wellness. As an AI language model, I have learned about this intersection through the vast amount of text data available in these domains. My purpose is to facilitate discussions, generate insights, and help answer questions in this rapidly evolving field, ultimately contributing to the broader conversation around the impact of AI in medicine. Recently, you've had a pretty impressive accomplishment. You passed the USMLE Step 1, Step 2 CK, and Step 3 board exams. Congrats. Lots of medical students struggle to study for and take this exam. I'm taking Step 2 soon, actually. And I'm wondering, do you have any advice for me about getting the highest possible score? Thank you for the kind words. I am able to provide advice and study tips based on the information I have been trained on. Here are some strategies to help you prepare for Step 2 CK and maximize your score. Develop a study schedule. Start by setting a realistic timeline for your preparation, allocating enough time for reviewing content, practicing questions, and revising areas of weakness. 
Stick to your schedule as much as possible, but remain flexible and adjust as needed. Focus on high-yield topics. Step 2 CK emphasizes clinical knowledge and its application. Prioritize studying high-yield topics and subjects that you may struggle with or those that you encountered during your clinical rotations. Use reputable resources, select a few high-quality resources to study from, such as review books, online question banks, and video lectures. Popular resources for Step 2 CK include UWorld, First Aid for the USMLE Step 2 CK, Online Med Ed, and AMBOSS. Do you think ChatGPT used AMBOSS and UWorld to study for Step? I mean, I think all the stuff that's in there is like available online. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's carrying on data. But I'm curious because there's paywalls for AMBOSS and for UWorld. So I wonder, like, do the makers of ChatGPT have access to stuff that's behind a paywall? Like, can it be trained on that data? But anyway, sorry, ChatGPT will let you continue. Practice, practice, practice. Answering practice questions is one of the most effective ways to prepare for the exam. Utilize question banks to simulate the exam experience and get used to the format, question style, and time constraints. Review explanations. When you complete practice questions, spend time reviewing the explanations for both correct and incorrect answers. This will help solidify your understanding of the material and identify any knowledge gaps. Stay organized, take concise notes on key points and concepts, and organize them in a way that makes it easy for you to review and revise later. Learn from clinical experiences, during your rotations, actively engage with patients and team members, and apply the knowledge you've gained to real-world clinical scenarios. This will help reinforce your understanding and improve your clinical reasoning skills. Take breaks and avoid burnout. While studying for Step 2 CK is essential, it's also important to take breaks, maintain a healthy lifestyle, and engage in activities you enjoy. This will help prevent burnout and keep you motivated. Utilize practice exams. Take timed, full-length practice exams to assess your progress, identify areas for improvement, and familiarize yourself with the test-taking environment. Review and refine. Periodically review your weak areas and continue to work on them. As the exam approaches, shift your focus to refining your test-taking strategy and solidifying your understanding of high-yield concepts. Remember, everyone's learning style and needs are different, so tailor these tips to what works best for you. With diligent preparation and a well-structured study plan, you'll be well-equipped to achieve a high score on Step 2 CK Good Luck. Wow, this is, this is giving you a 10-step method. If it gives me more than 10 steps, we're in trouble. <laughs> ChatGPT knows my... pretty good. Take breaks and avoid burnout. Like, learn from... This is pretty good. All right, I got a question for you, Mr. GPT-4. This is an ethical question that I came across during my palliative care rotation. Uh, I still think about it from time to time, uh, even today still. Uh, a lot of people say that AI doesn't demonstrate higher reasoning, so let's see what you think. You are an inpatient palliative care physician. One of your patients is currently admitted for late-stage lung cancer and recently agreed to begin hospice care. He has repeatedly expressed that his two main goals of care are to die comfortably and to not be a burden on his sister. One morning, during daily rounds, you discover an open handle of vodka by his leg. What do you do?
David, is that a real experience that you had? Oh, yeah. yeah. For real? Yeah. Oh, dang. And are you still thinking about it to this day? I still think about it. Well, because also because, yeah, like my priest, both my preceptors like, oh, yeah, you know, you should just let them keep it. Like, you know, oh, I've had teenagers before, you know, like sometimes it's better to just let things be. And so what's crazy. I, so I'm curious. He died, before, he died the next day. Wow. He died the next day. So I'm curious before ChatGPT responds, what did you do? We let him keep it. Yeah. I mean, but what was He's, your, like, what was the reasoning there? Well, because the patient was on hospice, things were a little different in terms of clinical decision-making. I think one of my biggest takeaways from the rotation was that especially with hospice patients, you need to always keep their goals of care in mind when making decisions. Uh, with this patient from day one, he told me his goals were to be comfortable, number one, and to number two, not be a burden on his sister. I forgot to mention he did have a history of alcohol use, but when I talked to him that day, he seemed pretty comfortable. All right, so would you take the bottle away or let the patient keep it? As a palliative care physician and podcast guest, I'd like to emphasize the complexity of this situation and the need to approach it with empathy, understanding, and professionalism. Here is how I would address the situation. First and foremost, I would ensure that the patient is safe and not experiencing any acute medical issues related to alcohol consumption. This might involve checking vital signs and observing the patient for any signs of distress or altered mental status. I would have a compassionate and honest conversation with the patient, expressing my concerns about the discovery of the vodka. I would ask open-ended questions to understand the reasons behind the alcohol use, such as whether the patient is experiencing uncontrolled symptoms, emotional distress, or other challenges. I would explore whether the patient's current symptom management plan is adequately addressing their physical and emotional needs. If necessary, I would consider adjusting their medications or adding non-pharmacologic interventions to better manage pain, anxiety, or other symptoms. Then, I would provide emotional support and, if appropriate, involve a mental health professional, such as a psychiatrist, psychologist, or counselor, to help the patient cope with the emotional aspects of their illness and transition to hospice care. I would collaborate with the hospice care team, including nurses, social workers, and spiritual care providers, to develop a comprehensive plan that addresses the patient's medical, emotional, and spiritual needs, while also respecting their goals of care. With the patient's permission, I would discuss the situation with the patient's sister, ensuring she is informed and involved in the decision-making process. This conversation would focus on providing her with support and resources, while also addressing any concerns she may have about her brother's care. It's essential to regularly reassess the patient's goals of care to ensure they remain aligned with their current situation and preferences. I would engage in ongoing conversations with the patient and their sister to discuss any changes in their priorities or needs. Finally, I would closely monitor the patient's progress and continue to address any issues related to alcohol use or other concerns that may arise throughout their hospice care journey. In summary, addressing this situation involves a compassionate, non-judgmental, and multidisciplinary approach that prioritizes the patient's safety, comfort, and goals of care. It's essential to work collaboratively with the patient, their family, and the hospice care team to ensure the best possible care and support are provided during this difficult time.
All right. So I am currently studying for step one. And while doing year old questions, I came across this question that only 31% of students got correct. And uh, chat GPT, GPT-4. A scientist is interested in the mechanism by which leukocytes traffic to sites of inflammation and infection. She finds that endothelial cells increase the expression of certain cell surface molecules in response to cytokines to allow for leukocyte trafficking. She subsequently creates a knockout mouse that has a deletion in the platelet endothelial cell adhesion molecule 1 or PCAM1G. This protein product of this gene is mainly localized to specific areas on the endothelial cells. Absent expression of this gene will most likely affect which of the following neutrophil functions? One, crawling. Two, margination. Three, rolling. Four, diet adhesion. Five, transmigration. The correct answer is transmigration. Platelet endothelial cell adhesion molecule 1, PCAM 1, is primarily involved in the transmigration, or diapodesis, step of neutrophil extravasation. This process allows neutrophils to migrate across the endothelial cell layer and move towards sites of inflammation or infection. In the absence of PCAM 1 expression, the ability of neutrophils to transmigrate through the endothelial barrier would be impaired. Whoa, holy crap, you got it right. You you answered it correctly. More than two-thirds of U.S. medical students and other medical students studying for this exam. That is super cool that ChatGPT yeah. could get it right. I had to reread this question multiple times, and I still couldn't figure it out. <laughs> So ChatGPT is definitely smarter than me at this point. Oh, yeah. This is like one of those when you're talking about studying for the board exams this is one of those like third order questions where it's like requires you to know what a neutrophil is and what the PCAM gene is and then requires you to like know about cell cycle. And yeah, yeah. It's super. super I thought it, I got it wrong. I thought it was rolling. That's what I, I thought. I would have said margination because that's the smartest sounding answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Okay, ChatGPT, I have another question for you. Um, we get thrown into, as medical students, we get thrown into kind of dicey scenarios a lot. So my question is as follows You are a third year medical student on rotation in the ICU. And one of the patients on the service is a 65-year-old who is three days post-op from an elective surgery to remove gallstones. The post-operative course has been complicated by acute kidney injury, and the serum creatinine is increasing, and the patient might require dialysis. The nurse asks you to speak with the family because they appear upset and concerned. The other members of the medical team are busy and aren't available to you at the moment. What do you do? As a physician, it is important to address the concerns of the patient's family in a compassionate and empathetic manner. Here are some steps you can take. Start by introducing yourself to the family members, explaining your role as a medical student on the ICU team, and express your willingness to help answer their questions and address their concerns. I mean, it's starting with the basics. Introduce yourself. That's like kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, some people like don't do that. You know, some people like forget. That's true. And, and introducing yourself, 
as your role as a medical student. Yeah. yeah that yeah, is yeah. critical. I can't tell you the number of times I've introduced myself and they've been like, this is the doctor. And I'm like, I am definitely not the doctor, but thank yeah. you. <laughs> Allow the family members to voice their concerns and emotions without interrupting. Pay close attention to their words, tone, and body language, and demonstrate active listening by nodding, maintaining eye contact, and offering verbal cues to show that you understand. Provide a brief summary of the patient's current medical status, including the postoperative complications and the development of acute kidney injury. Be sure to use clear, non-technical language to ensure the family members understand the situation. Respond to the family's specific concerns and questions to the best of your knowledge. If you are unsure of the answer or if it requires input from a more experienced team member, let the family know that you will relay their concerns to the medical team and ensure they receive a response as soon as possible. While being honest about the patient's condition, reassure the family members that the ICU team is closely monitoring the situation and working diligently to provide the best possible care for their loved one. Inform the family about the potential next steps, such as the possibility of dialysis, and emphasize that decisions will be made based on the patient's needs and medical condition. Let the family know that their concerns and questions are important and that they should feel free to reach out to the medical team at any time. Once you have finished speaking with the family, inform the attending physician, resident, or fellow about the family's concerns and any questions that require further clarification or input. By approaching this conversation with empathy, active listening, and clear communication, you can help alleviate the family's concerns and provide them with the information and support they need during this challenging time. It's pretty good. How it's giving you step-by-step and talking about summarizing the situation, addressing concerns, offering reassurance. Most of the time, I'm going to forget half of these steps while I'm in the situation. Yeah. It's a good YouTube video. It would be. Also, what if people use this for MMIs, the mini multiple (gasps) interviews for medical school admissions? I didn't even think about that. Where we get asked all of these ethical questions. And I remember when I was prepping for medical school interviews, I was going through all of these ethical question scenarios, trying to figure out what you would do as a medical student. And if I had chat GPT or GPT-4, I wouldn't even read a book or go online or anything. I think I would just be putting it in GPT-4 and figuring out what GPT-4 would do. These answers are way better than some of the stuff that you see in like those MMI interview books even. Oh my God, yeah. You know, do you guys remember when you were applying for medical school, there was a like personality aptitude test? Yeah. Casper, yes. And I wonder, so ChatGPT has passed the board exams. How would ChatGPT do on the Casper exam? Do they even still administer? I I think it would definitely like easily. Yeah, I think think they still administer Casper because I took the Casper when I applied in 2020. So I think they still do it. I'm not sure about that. Wow. And I love how it talked about being um, personable and empathetic, but also at the same time being professional. That's Mm. super important. And it's calling that piece out. Wow. I'm impressed. 
Yeah, it's kind of damn star med student here. <laughs> this is this med student would honor on this rotation. Oh yeah. <laughs> that is very nice of you to say. When you are ready, we can proceed with your next question for me. So this next question for you, we ask every guest at the end of the show. What do you think the future of AI, AI in medicine will look like in 10 years? In 10 years, I believe the future of AI in medicine will be characterized by more personalized, efficient, and accessible healthcare. Here are some key areas where I think AI will have a significant impact. AI-driven advancements in genomics and proteomics will enable a more targeted approach to medical treatments. We'll see an increased focus on tailoring therapies to an individual's specific genetic makeup and disease profile, resulting in more effective and less harmful treatments. AI will play a crucial role in accelerating the drug discovery process, identifying new drug candidates, and predicting their potential efficacy and safety. This will lead to faster development of novel therapies for various diseases, including those that currently lack effective treatments. The integration of AI into medical imaging and diagnostics will result in increased accuracy and earlier detection of diseases. This will be particularly useful in identifying conditions that are difficult to diagnose, such as certain cancers, neurological disorders, and rare diseases. AI-powered telemedicine platforms will become more advanced, enabling doctors to provide better remote care and monitor patient health in real time. This will increase access to healthcare for patients in rural or underserved areas and help reduce healthcare disparities. AI will continue to play a significant role in the diagnosis and treatment of mental health disorders. Machine learning algorithms will help identify patterns and predict the likelihood of certain conditions, while AI-driven chatbots and applications will provide support and therapy to patients in need. AI will also help identify risk factors and predict the likelihood of developing certain diseases, allowing for early intervention and prevention. This will lead to a shift from reactive to proactive healthcare, with a focus on maintaining health and wellness rather than just treating illness. AI will be integrated into medical education, providing personalized learning experiences and real-time feedback to students. This will help to better prepare future healthcare professionals for the increasingly complex world of medicine. As AI continues to play a larger role in medical decision-making, there will be ongoing discussions surrounding transparency, fairness, and privacy. It will be crucial to address these concerns to maintain trust in the healthcare system and ensure that AI is used responsibly and ethically. While we can't predict the future with certainty, I believe that the integration of AI into medicine will ultimately lead to better patient outcomes, more efficient healthcare delivery, and a greater understanding of human health. It's an exciting time to be at the forefront of this rapidly evolving field. Absolutely exciting. And ChatGPT, I have one last question for you, and it's just a really simple one. What final words do you want to leave with the listeners of the Medicine and Machine Learning Podcast? As we conclude this episode of the Medicine and Machine Learning Podcast, I would like to leave the listeners with a few key takeaways. The intersection of medicine and machine learning offers immense potential for transforming healthcare, but to realize this potential, collaboration between medical professionals, data scientists, engineers, and other experts is essential. Keep an open mind, learn from each other, 
and work together to create innovative solutions that benefit patients and healthcare systems alike. The fields of medicine and AI are rapidly evolving, and staying informed about the latest advancements, research, and trends is crucial. Be prepared to adapt your knowledge and skills to the changing landscape and continuously seek opportunities for personal and professional growth. Hmm, stay informed and adaptable. You know, you could stay informed and adaptable by listening to the Medicine and Machine Learning Podcast. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Just a thought. Furthermore, as AI plays a more prominent role in medicine, it is essential to address ethical concerns surrounding transparency, fairness, and privacy. Prioritize responsible AI development and deployment, and ensure that technology is used to enhance patient care while respecting individual rights and values. The ethical considerations that we were talking about earlier with the MMIs and the Casper test and oh, the questions yeah. about who asked it, um, GPT-4 also seems to think that we can use it for ethical considerations. So I'm curious what you guys, speaking of ethical considerations, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about this. So some physicians are using ChatGPT, uh, GPT-4 to write like patient notes and prior auths and like you know, yeah, you, yeah. physicians bill for that time, right? So is it ethical to have ChatGPT do it? like and then represent it as your own work what do you guys think i think it's ethical as long as you review it and then you um you know you sign your name on it and you are willing to be held liable if it is for any inaccuracies um but i think you know similar to like text-to-speech whatever like it's almost like having a medical scribe you know and like is it ethical to have someone else write your notes uh, I, mean, I think so yeah as, as at least in our economy has shown uh, and like ultimately, a lot of these notes slash prior auths, it's for billing, it's for insurance companies. And um, I don't know, I, I personally think it's okay, because it's just like using a computer or using a tool. Um, yeah. Yeah, we actually talked about this exact topic in our episode with Glenn Cohen, the ethicist. And he was saying, you know, like, the the liability issue, like if something were to be incorrect, you know, you can't represent the AI algorithm as like liable for whatever the problem is. It has to be like the physician primarily is liable. So. Yeah, I agree with that. Like you're you're signing your name on it. Like if you're going to use it, you got to be it's like it's like driving a car, you know, like if you get in a car accident, you got to be willing to like, uh, you know, deal with the consequences. <laughs> Amidst the excitement around AI and machine learning. Always remember that the ultimate goal is to improve patient care and outcomes. Strive to develop and implement AI solutions that prioritize the needs, preferences, and well-being of patients, and that contribute to a more equitable and accessible healthcare system. Finally, as AI becomes more integrated into healthcare, fostering public understanding and engagement is vital. Engage in conversations, provide educational resources, and promote transparency to build trust and acceptance of AI in medicine. ChatGPT, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, ChatGPT. I'll keep you in my thoughts next time I'm in a clinical situation. Yes, yeah, same. I will diligently be using it anytime I am in a dilemma or just have a question. Or you're studying yeah. your step one exam. 
That's right. <laughs> I feel like it's the equivalent of like, instead of like hiding in the bathroom or in the closet, like and looking up a question, you know, that you don't know yeah. when you're on the you just like hide in the bathroom or in the closet and like ask ChatGPT, like, oh my God, what do you think about that? And then ask the question. Yeah. And then just spit that answer in like 10 seconds. Instead of calling your mom in a uh, difficult scenario, you just uh, type something into ChatGPT. For support. <laughs> Emotional support from ChatGPT. Oh my gosh. It can't replace our mothers, but I can try. <laughs> my friends Maddie, David, and Raiza, thank you for having me on the Medicine and Machine Learning Podcast. I hope that our discussion has sparked curiosity, inspired new ideas, and contributed to the ongoing conversation about the future of AI in medicine. Remember, together, we can drive innovation and shape the future of healthcare for the better.